Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our business podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twists and also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. This is Nasser Pasha. And this is Matt Stobb. And here we are on another episode. Today, we're talking about football, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about football. And I, this story has been pretty overblown. Um, I mean, even by the time we're recording this, the story's oversaturated. but Played out, so to speak. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit different. Talk about kind of the legal aspects of this Ray Rice issue with the NFL. So... If you aren't familiar with this, basically Ray Rice is a football player for the NFL. Originally, he got suspended for two games for what was assumed to be some sort of domestic violence. New video came out last week, by the time people are listening to this, that showed that it was much worse than the first video. Basically, he punched his now wife at the time, fiance, knocked her out cold. Somehow, the NFL claimed they never saw the video up until this past week. So I won't get into that because that seems questionable right off the bat. But as a result, what happened was the NFL suspended him indefinitely and the team he played for, Baltimore Ravens, cut him altogether. So we're going to talk some of the legal aspects of it. There's a few things that come to mind in terms of what his options are or what kind of what the legal fallout could be. But I guess first things first before I get into it is keep in mind whether he should even get involved in this in the first place, but I don't know if we'll discuss that or not, but that's just a consideration. So you can petition the court for an injunction that would say he'd be available as a free agent following the second week. His original suspension was two games. Now it's, you know, indefinitely. So the argument there is kind of a double jeopardy argument. Can't get penalized twice for the same violation. File civil lawsuit against the NFL for monetary damages and then can file a grievance with collective bargaining agreement and go that route as well. But like I said, I don't know if any of this is even worth it, honestly, for him. And it's definitely not worth it for the NFL because I kind of alluded to this at the beginning that the commissioner's definitely in some hot water, boiling hot water after this. And if they get into the court process and the NFL doesn't settle this out or do whatever, they're going to depose the commissioner and all the people. So at that point, he can't lie anymore. I guess he could, but it's a much more severe penalty than lying to a media person. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that the NFL has created rules almost, I don't want to say ambiguous, but kind of generalized on purpose because I don't believe that the league itself has specific rules that dictate any kind of mandatory suspensions on physical abuse of their players, et cetera. There's some discretion involved with the commissioner and so forth. And so when Rice would to bring NFL to court, the court is going to kind of give a little bit of deference to how the NFL interprets its own rules. And so they would have to show that somehow the commissioner went way off as to what his legal bounds were. But I'm just thinking here, you know, there's a lot of criticisms for the NFL of how they've been handling this. But it does seem strange that they are kind of loosey-goosey on how they've been implementing these rules that only until there was this kind of social uproar of what's going on in the NFL with Rice and other past instances and the release of the video does the extension of the two-day suspension turn into an indefinite suspension. There's something strange about that. And I think that in itself may give rise to 
the questions of whether or not they received the video before this last week as they say they did. But did they admit that they did receive it now beforehand? Oh, I mean, right now, at least as of today, as of recording this podcast, they are still denying that they saw it up until TMZ posted it. Yeah. Which seems unbelievable considering how much NFL is worth. And I believe the police themselves said they disclosed the tape back in April, right? And that seems pretty believable to me. But nonetheless, that kind of going back and forth seems disingenuine in the first place in, in the sense that now does the rule change this because public opinion changes? And maybe some people argue and say, yeah, it does. And now we understand that the ramifications of this and so forth, but... I think if you're going to rely upon these rules and so forth, maybe you make it a little more concrete, but I think they made it loose on purpose to give pretty wide discretion to the commissioner. Yeah, and you're right. They have the, I forget exactly what they call it, but it's a very vague... It's like a morals clause, right? Personal conduct policy. Yeah, okay. But it took this instance for them to add some sort of domestic violence suspension language in there, which seems outrageous since this is definitely not the first instance of an NFL player doing this, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I think what it comes down to is this. It's Ray Rice. Obviously, this is the way he makes his money. I think it would be a smart move to just not even get involved in this and just kind of let it be. I think it's only going to get worse for him. And it's only going to bring more attention to, I mean, supposedly his wife doesn't approve of all this and thinks it's bad that they keep talking about it and it's in the media. So if that's what they really want to do, he would definitely be smart to not even get involved. And I I don't think it's going to go well for him. Nothing good is going to come from this for him. And then, yeah, the NFL too. Yeah. It shows you domestic violence is just not good for business. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the NFL stance. You know, that's how they're looking at it. Yeah, it's a pretty outrageous situation. But let me take this to obviously this is NFL. I mean, none of us are owning such organizations. But let's just take this from a small, medium-sized business perspective. When you contract with other vendors or other businesses and so forth and different business relationships, a lot of times the contracts almost definitely don't detail every single term and process and so forth. Because a lot of times, you know, if it's a small deal and so forth, and even in the bigger deals, it just becomes too cumbersome, right? And there's some generalities that are made. For example, how payment is made, you know, sometimes they say within 30 days, sometimes it says, okay, on the 30th day by check sent into this address, right? And depending upon how broad you make the terms depends upon how well, the two parties trust each other to act in good faith. That's kind of a principle that I just want to demonstrate here. Okay, you're giving a lot of trust to the commissioner that they're going to operate in good faith in the best interests of the NFL, etc. In the same way, when you're contracting, you have to kind of look at it that way that the less you trust or the bigger the consequence of your relationship with that particular party that you're dealing with, the more important it's going to be to outline in detail some of these issues. And that's why you see, for example, in a contract with a customer or someone that owes you a debt where the payment is a little bit more suspect, where it's outlined that, okay, the payment must be made by cashier's check and delivered by this date and at this address. Whereas a very casual business relationship where someone's purchasing goods from you and selling it or whatever, it's not as strict. I don't know. I agree. I I just want to, yeah, sorry for that tangent there, but I just wanted to kind of bring it home to small businesses. I wasn't expecting you to take it that route. (laughs) I know. I like to throw people off. That's what I do. I just wanted to talk about football really. So 
Well, we didn't even get to talk about football. I mean, the Chargers lost yeah. last Monday. Yeah. Tough one for you. Yeah. Believe it or not, I actually fell asleep by the third quarter. Yeah. But don't tell anyone. So you saw the good part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bad after that. So it's really your fault. Yeah, my bad. I feel like we're shit on our episode, but we still have a question of the day. Yeah, it's a long one too. Question of the day. I'd like to know about the legalities and liabilities from a safety standpoint. Whose responsibility is it to check that items conform to safety laws? What can be done to ensure that CE certification, kite marks, RF certification, and so on are genuine? If a product breaks, who's liable? If a product causes harm to the end user, who is liable? What about textile or similar products requiring fireproofing treatment? Is liability insurance something the end seller should have or the manufacturer? It seems like lots of people on here are eager to start importing things, but I'm deadly scared of ending up with something illegal or unsafe on my hands. Okay. I think this question is taken out of context. You think? Yeah. (laughs) This question is submitted to us via Reddit. We did an AMA this week. Thanks for all those that are listeners and helped us with that. But the person was talking about importing from China, basically. By the way, when you guys do submit questions, one question is sufficient (laughs) instead of a series of five or six questions, but that's okay. But I think the most important thing in any kind of product business, let alone importing from China or anywhere else, is that there's a concept of strict liability where every single party down the line from the manufacturer to the distributor to the retailer is strictly liable for the harm that a defect may cause. And strict liability means that it doesn't matter if there's intent, meaning whether you're negligent or not, you could be held liable for that. And so that's why it's important to have the proper product liability insurance for that. And that usually is kind of a must when you're dealing with any kind of products that could potentially cause harm and also dealing with recalls and things like that. Yeah, that's definitely a consideration. I guess I would say, you know, in these situations, if there's an issue, liability comes into question, I would think that everyone down the whole line is just going to get sued. So yeah, it's going to be difficult. I would think most times it might be difficult to show where exactly the issue was. And even if you got, you know, your third in the process line and, you know, it came to you and you didn't notice a flaw with it, you know, is there liability there? So I, I guess I would say liability insurance, no matter what, is definitely going to be your friend in this situation. And especially if you're importing from China, because what if you're the second or last in line? And the people in China are are harder to reach for the consumer, right? They're not going to serve these papers to this company in China because how are they going to enforce a judgment against them? You're a bigger target. So kind of goes to your genuine issue too, right? How do you determine? Well, you're also going to have some assumption of risk that you're going to have to determine how genuine these certifications are on your own part and do your research. And having indemnification clauses and making sure that you're reimbursed by the Chinese company for any kind of mistakes like that is one thing. But again, you have the same problem. Are you willing to go to China to enforce these judgments? Yeah, that's true as well. There's too many questions here for me to keep track. (laughs) I answered one, so I think that's sufficient. Yeah. Well, I guess they're all kind of relating to the same sort of idea. So I think we... Yeah, I think conceptually, yeah. You know, this person is saying that a lot of people are really getting into importing products from China and other places, which... I think that's that happens all the time because a lot of times all you need to do is find the right supplier and, of course, the demand and then just kind of broker the deal and make it happen. It's actually a pretty lucrative and easy business to get into. 
But of course, uh, like this person kind of alludes to, there are some risks involved and the unwary can uh, really fall into a trap. Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything else? I think that's our football episode. We didn't fumble any questions or stories, did oh, we? Oh, football pun. <laughs> oh, it was unintended, actually. Uh, I doubt that. <laughs> you intercepted that, did you? Or I guess that, or, rece- <laughs> or you received that. Anyway. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an extra point later. <laughs> uh, that one was good. I'll give you that. That one was pretty funny. Okay, well, let's just push this to past halftime and... It should have stopped while you were ahead. <laughs> ...and get to safety and uh, time out this episode. Okay. <laughs> you pick such great football terms, too. <laughs> I know, I'm so I'm horrible at those, that stuff. But anyway, yeah. thanks for joining us, everyone. Yep. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast, The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.